Welcome to Boldly Bald Women, surviving and thriving in a hair-obsessed world. If you are grappling with the emotional and social impacts of hair loss, whatever the cause, and frustrated with hot, itchy wigs, this is the place for you. Your host, Pam Fitros, international best-selling author of Boldly Bald Women, guides women on a weekly journey from wanting to hide to becoming courageously bold. Pam herself has alopecia universalis, which has caused permanent loss of all body hair. Listen as she shares inspirational stories and interviews with experts offering insight into recovering self-confidence and reclaiming joy. Now, here's your host, Pam Fitros. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Susan Shereko. Susan is an amazing woman with a wonderful dream. She's an Emmy-nominated television producer of Home and Family on the Hallmark Channel, author of Rainbows Over Ruins, and host of Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity. She's trained in psychosynthesis, life success, affirmations, and power habits. She has an MBA, a PGA, and an IFIP. Susan believes that you can transform your life and overcome situations by changing what you're telling yourself. We can cope with great loss, rebuild our lives, and even improve them. She's married to an actor, author, entrepreneur who is passionate about the Old West. She's a soccer grandmother. Her daughter's family lives in Seattle, Washington. She has a small ranch with a beautiful view, and she shares it with horses, dogs, and a small frontier town that she and her husband created when they rebuilt their home of 20 years after it was destroyed by a landslide. What happened, Susan? What happened? Uh, It's... um Hello, Pam. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, Susan. Hello. I'm glad to be here too. Basically, we we had one. It's a, it was an El Nino year, and uh, that means there's a lot of rain. And in this case, we had 30 days of continuous rain. We really were beginning to think Noah was, you know, preparing to get the ark out, and uh, <laughs> they had, and our house backed up into a mountain. And at one point, the mountain just let go, and a mud and rock landslide or mudslide came through the house. Uh, it, it piled boulders from the ground to the roof, and this is a two-story house. And so it broke the windows. It dislodged the, the beam and frame structure of the house just by the sheer impact of all that rock hitting the house, and then allowed all that mud and water to go inside and and destroyed all sorts of personal possessions and flooded, and as a result, the house was condemned, and it became a, you know, for for a couple of years, it was a huge financial nightmare. So that's what Oh, happened. wow. Oh. Oh, and how did you feel after that disaster? Well, <laughs> um, first, it's numbness. I mean, you really do go into shock, and I think that's a, that's a really important thing that you you do because if you really understood what you're about to face you just would be so overwhelmed you couldn't deal with it um and then the next you're powerless there's nothing you can do you don't know enough to know what to do 
and fear starts to really dominate your thought process. I used to wake up all hours of the night in absolute terror, and the pit in my stomach that was really, really deep. When I was looking for solutions, I would listen to late-night TV programs because maybe there was something on there in those infomercials that would help me get through what we were going through. You know that phrase, my world came tumbling down? (laughs) Yours literally did. It literally did, and there is something that's significant in that because there's a financial impact. You're looking at all of your finances just totally tossed up and down. What are you going to do? How are you going to get out of it? You have physical things, obviously, all your stuff, and you have, um, as a result of the, the work you have to do, or the, fortunately not for us, we, we weren't physically in the landslide, so we didn't have broken bones and that sort of thing. But the, the aftermath of trying to rescue what we did have out, we've sustained you know, stress damages from, you know, pulling and prodding and lifting and that sort of thing. And we had emotional residue that stayed with us for such a long time. And so we were a mess. And I think we stayed in emergency mode for about six weeks until we could find a new place to live, at least rent. You know, we stayed with friends for a while. You know, we were not feeling good at all. It was a really tough time. And that kind of stress and draining doesn't even give you an opportunity to grieve the loss because you're so on and that is such an exhausting emotion. Did you have time to grieve at all? No. I don't think we thought about the grieving until we were settled into a new place. Our life revolved around just getting out of that immediate situation, finding a place to put a roof over our head, finding a way to get all of it. We have a lot of animals. We tend to be menagerie kind of people. So mm-hmm. we have horses and dogs and a cat and a bird. And we, were, we had to find places for all of them. They, you, know, you can't just bring your whole menagerie to a friend's house while you, you know, flop on their floor. Yeah, a horse in the living room kind of wouldn't go no. over real well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. These were real physical issues. You have to deal with them. You have to find out what you have left. You have to, to, you know, you have to see where you are. You have to understand what you're up against. We had government issues to deal with. They started sending letters to us that that we were non-compliant, you know, with building codes because we had rocks piled behind our house. But the house was condemned, and I had no idea how to move the rocks. So those were real pressures that were immediate and in our face. So we couldn't even grieve what we had lost until we could get away from it enough to look back and say, wow, okay. We've, we've so you were really real feeling powerless, weren't you? And you, there was oh. no way that you could see to get through the situation. Not at all. And, and it, was, uh, it really was one of those situations where you, are, you, don't, you don't know which way to go. And I was mm-hmm. getting so stressed out. I feel that kind of stress in my solar plexus. And so I was constantly feeling uncomfortable in that region, my body. And I started to lose the ability to use my right arm. I couldn't even lift a coffee pot. Wow. And that was actually one of the better things that happened. A couple of good things happened, which has to do with community. When you reach out to other people and you are involved with other people, they become a resource for you. They can love you until you can love yourself. They can help you until you have the strength to do it for yourself. And so they had 
you know, it was a situation where somebody would tell me about an attorney or somebody would tell me um, the woman where we were staying had a, a boss whose uncle was one of the experts in landslide, uh, you know, in landslides as a geologist, and he was able to refer us to attorneys, which was the greatest gift I had ever received. That man told us how to walk away from it, and he would take care of all that stress that was making me crazy. And someone else came and and gave us the name of a chiropractor, and that's where I really began to um, get better because he was able, as he did adjustments, that sort of thing, I was able to discover what was going on in the neuroemotional part of me, you know, Mm -hmm. my nerves and my emotions that were, and we did a lot of uh, kinesiology work and things like that that got me through and opened me up to what was happening on the inside as a result of the landslide. And I think you have to deal with those those physical issues and with the, both as far as, as the externals and the internals mm-hmm. in order to believe that it's going to ever get better. We're talking about two different things here. For you, we're talking about a landslide that was a physical disaster. What I deal with is women who have lost their hair. And you would think there is absolutely no comparison between the two, but there is because they have to, they have to deal with that external change mm-hmm. in the loss of their yes, the loss is. of their identity as who they were before and then the internal emotional issues of who am I now what do I do now is this ever going to change am I going to get through this you get to that point where you really just don't believe that it's going to get any better and that's when you need somebody to hold on to your faith until you yes. can take it back that's correct community was very big for me i was blessed to be active in our local church um, mm-hmm. I was on the de- I was a deacon with the church. You know, it was something where they would come to support me in any number of ways. They helped us physically move stuff out. They provided a safety net for us to go and you know stay active and business busy. You know, and and mm-hmm. get through the craziness, the crazy mind stuff that goes on while you're going through this. Mm-hmm. They held us in so many different ways. You know, they were the people who allowed us to come and stay in their homes, and you know, came out in the middle of the night. And, and supported us. And you need that kind of community. And I think, mm-hmm. I know we've talked in the past, I know for your situation, you also reached out to other people, people who were, had a similar situation. And so you were able to find strength in each other. For me, that was a huge part of what got me through the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Once we got past the immediate physical, you know, it's, I call that the outer game. It's the outer activities that you do when you're in the middle of a real situation. You eventually get to a point where you know that you can make a plan and take action and begin to make changes that will benefit you mm-hmm. and find where you're comfortable. But to get there, there's so much inner work that really does need to happen. And for me, that was, you know, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, just what, what did I do um, you know, aside from going to the chiropractor, he gave me things like write, if you have any dreams, journal, write them down and, and talk about what they mean. This physical healing process is actually going to reveal something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prayer became very important to me. I was so frightened. I was desperately seeking a way to be able to cope with this whole situation for myself. I didn't know what was going to happen in my life. I didn't know if we'd have money left or if we'd be destitute on the streets. And so I discovered Centric Prayer. 
and a uh, retreat center where they taught it and began to do centered prayer. It empties your mind in many ways so that you are just focused on that inner sense and connection with your spiritual essence. I haven't heard of that before. What exactly is centric prayer? Centric prayer is eliminating all the thoughts that are spinning around in your head and making you crazy. You pick a word. You could be God, mother, love, peace. something along that line that resonates with you. And you say that word and you empty your mind. And if any thoughts start to come in, you go back to that word and repeat Mm -hmm. it. You may repeat it frequently for a while. And then as you get better at this technique and learn how to give that space to your mind, you actually stay in that quiet longer and longer times. And insights do come to you that way. If you were to picture a leaf floating down a small stream, you allow the leaf to go past you. You observe it, but you don't hang on to it. That's a thought that's just drifting by. Something like 80,000 thoughts a day go through. Just let them flow and not hang up on any of them. And, and I think that I think what you're saying about that is what happens to us because we get a thought we we say what if this and what if that and mm-hmm. and what happens when this happens and oh my god look at that's happening and we try and grab onto those thoughts and hold them all and then keep them keep juggling them so that we can take care of them all and we really can't take care of very many other than just one at a time. That's right. That's right. What what comes to mind is there's a uh, Mark Waldman uh, is a, a teacher of the, of the mind and researches actually how the brain works now and current state you know, current understanding of the brain and he has this thing where you you actually you know you have all your goals and ideas in front of you on a piece of paper and that's what you want to do but these thoughts that you're talking about intrude and interrupt because you've got to go to the grocery store and you've got to take care of that bill that hasn't been paid yet and and it keeps distracting you mm-hmm. so he puts a piece of paper next to his bulletin board and on it are he calls it a CRAP sheet and it's all those stupid things that intrude on your thinking you you just write them down write them, put them up there anything that comes up that is not where you want to be and by doing so you trick the mind into thinking it's being handled and so that you can stop focusing on it until it's time to take it up again you've got it down, you've you've saved it it's there but you can now focus on what your bigger vision is or what your grand task is for the day, which I find fascinating. That's the way the mind works. It's similar to affirmations, which are positive questions. And the, Tell me a little bit about that. Well, they are um, affirmations are basically positive why questions. It's, uh, it's a phrase that was coined by Noah St. John, and... He, he discovered them, his story is he discovered them in the shower, you know, that, that the mind is a great search engine. And when you ask a question, it goes out and finds solutions and then brings it back to you mm-hmm. if you ask the questions. Um, if you ask negative questions, it'll do the same thing, but it'll bring you back the negative solutions. So you don't want to think negatively. You want to focus on positive questions and allow your subconscious mind to do what it does naturally. I, uh, Google must have known this because when they created their search engine, they are absolutely mimicking what the mind does automatically itself. And so, and they have just compiled it so that we all have access to this great 
resource at, at our fingertips. So for my listeners, somebody would say, well, what do I do when I tell my boyfriend that I'm bald and he, and he leaves me? How would, how would you turn that negative question into an affirmation? That's a very good, good question to ask. Um, first of all, you have to accept what has happened because you're going, to, you're going to spin on that for a long time. Why, you know, what, uh, why do I feel a benefit? Why am I empowered by my boyfriend leaving me? Why? Now, you may not believe it at the moment, by the way. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you're going to agree with the question you're asking, but you're mm-hmm. throwing out a positive solution. Why can I grow? Why will I feel better? Why, why, will, I, what, why will I learn something positive out of this experience? What, and then focus also on the positive itself. Why am I so happy? Um, you may not feel happy at the time. Why am I so blessed? You may not feel blessed. But the mind is going to go out and find the blessing, and it's going to bring it back to you and you will discover it. And um, it might even be something, something as simple as, why am I learning to trust mm-hmm. that he may not leave? You could do that too. It's a fine line. We don't know where the solution will come in our life. We tend to lock in a vision of what is the right solution. And so to be as open-ended as possible, I do a daily meditation, and part of that is describing what I want out of the day and I'm very big on gratitude to give thanks for what you appreciate in your life. And then mm-hmm. the things come up that you don't appreciate <laughs> and so you want to you know, oh, you kind of want to talk those, those things happen. <laughs> so, you, so now you want to ask those questions and when I get all done I, I say this or something better now comes to me. Because I want to allow for possibilities. I went through a very bad patch where I was, I had put myself into huge debt and I wasn't working and I was, I was beside myself. I wouldn't answer the phone anymore. I was certain that if any phone call was going to be a creditor calling me and I didn't have the courage to face it anymore. I truly was beside myself. And I found affirmations and I began to use them and the most amazing shifts began to take place. First, it was not very big. It was just little things that happened. I got a job doing telemarketing, and the telemarketing paid me enough money to put gas in my car and buy groceries without having to beg my husband to buy what I wanted. You know, mm-hmm. it was it, these were tiny little things, but it was a step in the right direction. But then I began to have enough money where I actually start to pay down some of those bills. I couldn't pay them all off, but I could chip away at them in a way that mm-hmm. I couldn't just a few weeks before. Within mm-hmm. three months, I had shifted enough that I was. I was actually feeling better about life in general, and that was the most important thing. I felt better. And then I got two job offers. Now, I had said, I'm not going to be doing the television business anymore. I'm giving it up, and I'm going to do something else so that I can, I really want to share with people how they can improve their lives and and feel better about their lives. I want to coach. That's my goal. And Mm -hmm. I need to do something else because television makes it impossible to do it. You can't take appointments. You just have no time left. So mm-hmm. I will take up, I'll take up insurance sales. And I went through the process and I got my, um, I got my license and I'm ready to do it and I'm ready to totally invest in a new career so that I can have more free time in order to pursue what I felt was important. And two job offers came to me. 
One was to work with this one agency that would do exactly what I had been describing. And the other was the show that I'm currently working on. I was like, I don't want to take it. I do not want to take it. That's not what I'm... I'm telling myself, this is not the way to go. This is not going to help me. And my husband and I had a huge fight about it. And eventually I said, all right, I'll take the job. At least it will help me pay off my bills and I will get back on a more solid foundation and I will feel better when it's done. But I wasn't committed to staying there at all. And what it turned out to be was a fabulous show, a show with good values, a show that I skyrocketed from the job I was in to a higher position and then another high position. And you know, now I am the, the executive in charge of production for the show. And it has been, and now we're just finishing our third season, going into a fourth. I have lots of daily challenges, but I work with uh, you know, a lot of people who are trying to create really meaningful television for people. And I would have turned that down if I hadn't been open to a possibility that I didn't know the way I had to go that there was another path that would yield me more opportunities. And I have. I was able to study affirmations. I was able to um, you know, continue to pursue my career in coaching in a new way. I'm finding that I can do that online. I have an entire business you know, developing online. I've written a book. I wouldn't have had the time or the financial resources to do it if I was still struggling to start a business from scratch, you know, in insurance. So I have, you know, for me, that idea of being able to stay open to possibilities is really key. So for your, you know, for your people, um, it's that sort of thing is that to, we don't know what the right answer, if there is a right answer. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. we just want to open to all possibilities and allow them to surface. And, and so, we don't want to define yay or nay as a, as a solution. We want to embrace them all. Right. One of the things that, that I have learned is that when I have enough faith in myself and in my purpose in life and in recognizing that there's a reason why I'm here and that that reason is independent of anybody else who is in my life or not in my life, mm-hmm. that... I can walk away from negativity and say this won't kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have had to leave a couple of relationships that that were um, a couple of deep friendships that were negative, and I found that the the toxicity of those relationships were undermining my self confidence. They were undermining my belief that I had a reason for being and a purpose. And when I walked away from those relationships, even though I was very sad, because, I mean, you're talking about long-term, long-term yes. friendships of, yes. of 20, 25 years. And when I walked away from them, I freed up something that was tied down. It was, it was stuck. And, and when I freed up that energy then I was able to apply it to feeling better rather well, than yes. to just trying to hold on where I was. Your word negativity is really significant there because it's not just the negative friends and associates and situations in which we find ourselves, which we have to let go of in order to move forward. It's also our internal negative, moving away from the garbage thoughts, the stinking thinking about ourselves that defeats us. In the and the victim so, mentality. 
but victimentalities. Yeah. You know, and you said, you, you know, I know that you've talked a lot about this feeling good about yourself in the situation which flies in the face of common social practices of how mm-hmm. women present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we fill our minds with all that negative thought process. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm never going to be anything. I'm, I'm not pretty. I'm not sexy. Nobody's going yeah. to ever love me. All of that yeah, garbage. Right. right. And that, that head trash defeats mm-hmm. us at every hand. And that's why we, you know, it's, I mean, Louise Hay talks about this. And although she doesn't use affirmations, she uses affirmation, uh, which are positive statements. Um, but the idea is that you, it's, you have to be ever vigilant. My, my issue is always fear. It's what I have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I feel afraid, I'm going to be asking, why do I have the courage to handle this situation? Why mm. do I have the power to handle this situation? And that, kind of, and that sort of positive statement or question, I can also do it as a statement, but to do that, it changes the, the trash that you're filling your mind with. As soon as you catch yourself, and this is where the diligence comes in, as soon as you catch yourself saying, why am I so stupid? Why, why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me that I'm cursed with this? I mean, yeah, just think of all the things you could tell yourself. Why am I blessed by this experience? Why am I open to receive the gift that's inside this experience? I know I've heard you tell the story of how you, you wouldn't want to have it any other way now. Oh, no, I absolutely wouldn't. I am yeah. so grateful. I am so grateful for alopecia. I never would have written my book. I never would have been able to touch the people that I'm touching now and hold their face until they can hold it themselves. I never would have been even thinking about starting a podcast and uh, doing these kind of interviews to bring in people, not only women who are bald, but women who have experienced other issues. It's not what the issue is. Pain is pain. Fear is fear. And we can't compare somebody's pain at losing their hair when that is has been a central focus of their identity for years that and and you losing your house on a landslide you would say oh well the landslide is more well it's not pain is pain it is I have and a good fear friend. is fear, and and so there. The whole point of my bringing wonderful guests like you onto this podcast is because you've lived through something that was devastating, and you have found some ways to cope with it, to get through it, to learn from it, and then to be blessed by it. And these are the things that I want the women who are struggling with hair loss to understand. You can Absolutely. learn. You can learn, and you can you can apply techniques that shift, it's, it's all in our minds. I mean, it's, it is one of those situations where you either allow what you're thinking to stop you and destroy you, or you learn how to think differently. And in the course of thinking differently, you begin to change everything, and all sorts of possibilities open up for you. One of the prayers that I learned as I was going through this is it's called the serenity prayer, and you're probably familiar with it because it's a very mm-hmm. common prayer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say I couldn't do anything about my landslide. It happened. I was going mm-hmm. to have to deal with it. 
And that's where the courage came in. So I couldn't sit there on the ground bemoaning my existence and what had happened and how we'd lost so much in the process. But you had to do that initially. Initially, you had to do that. You had to go through that shock and the anger and the and the grief. Yes, of you, you can't and it takes skip over that. Different times. No, you you do have to go through it. There's no doubt about it. And you do have to spend that time, allow yourself that time to grieve it, and then mm-hmm. just start to say, okay, I can accept this, and I can get through it, and I can go on. And and then the courage comes to as you find what the solutions are. How is it going to? Ex- in your life? How are you going to rebuild your life so that you can become not just you know, somebody who survived a, a situation and okay, you know, I'm, I'm just doing okay, but to actually thrive and embrace it and, and as you put it, be blessed by it. That's really the, you know, the probably the most important thing that we can get out of a, a negative situation. You really do have a choice to sit on the ground and say, poor me, ain't it awful, I'm a victim, or to struggle back to our feet and Mm -hmm. look around us and say, well, okay, I'm going to have a new normal now, and what is that normal going to be, and how am I going to get it? Let's see what it could be like, because at that point, you really are open to so many different possibilities. Your life course, that path that you had straight ahead of you, this is my life and this is how it's going to be and this is what it's going to be, all of a sudden you come to a clearing in the woods and there's yes. five or six different paths going Absolutely. off and you can you choose whichever one you want. Absolutely. And, you know, it's Sandra Daly. I had the pleasure to um, work with Sandra on a couple of these calls. And she wrote a book called Choose Your Universe, which is the lesson that she learned about choice. She was an abused woman. She had been attacked by her husband and had her whole face broken up. Her ribs were broken. I mean, this this was a violent scenario. And, And she knew at some level that she was going to die if she kept staying there, and yet like so many women do, they stay in an abusive scenario. Her path out began when she was listening to Mary Morrissey speak about the fact that we do have the ability, we don't have to make major changes, we just to make a little shift, just one inch away from where we are now, and as time goes on, that one inch takes us on an entirely new trajectory away from the life we were living that made us miserable into something that is you know, we can choose our own choice where we want to go and how we want to deal with it. She eventually got on a bus with $4 in her pocket or something crazily you know, empty, on a bus from Oregon to Arizona. She left her whole family. She left everything behind her to get away and get safe. And she spent some time in Arizona. Now she's a minister in, um, and teaches, and she's done prison ministries and all sorts of things. Because, of course, that's where a lot of abused women wind up because they finally act out in a negative way against mm-hmm. their spouse. Mm-hmm. She avoided that um, and now, now speaks to in prison ministries um, and other places as well. But that key of choose your universe. Stay where you are, where you're miserable and you're beating yourself up and you're not, you know, all you can say is I'm the victim here. Or find your strength, find your blessing, and choose something different. And you can choose to, to let other people define who you are. Or you find the definition that you want for yourself. Absolutely. Um, I have had some people say to me, why are you going out in public without a wig? And, you know, I could have taken that in, and Mm -hmm. I could have 
hidden. I could have taken that road in the woods that says I'm going to hide all the rest of my life. I'm, I'm going to wear a wig even to bed. I'm not going to let anybody see that I'm bald. And then always have to be aware that I'm bald. Always have to be aware. Is this wig going to bend? Mm-hmm. Is it going to go crooked? Mm-hmm. Am I going to sweat my makeup off? And what, 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 what? But I chose not to let those people define who I am. And I made my own definition that I have a wonderful bald head and I'm just going to shine it up and go out in the world and strut my stuff. And you know, I've had more people tell me now that I'm 65 years old, overweight, arthritic, and bald, that I am beautiful than I ever had when I weighed 130 pounds and had hair. Uh-huh. Isn't and, it amazing? And was young. The only mm-hmm. difference is I love and accept myself just the way I am. I don't mm-hmm. need anything else to, ma- to, mm-hmm. be, to be who I am. I don't need anything else to be confident in myself. I don't need to be skinny. I don't need to have eyebrows. I don't need to wear a wig because I accept myself the way I am and I love myself the way I am. And I wouldn't want to go back to hair. I truly wouldn't. This is really cool. I love being so cool in the summer. <laughs> You have learned a lot from this. Tell me some of the things that that you feel that you have learned from this experience that you can share with our listeners today. Well, I think the probably the most important thing is that uh, you know I can say that using the power of your mind because that's really what I talk about a great deal uh, to think through and ask questions and use positive self-talk to myself really works. It's incredibly powerful. If you're struggling with any kind of personal issue, it is a way through because the mind brings such incredible questions. It brings you answers and solutions and and a good sense of good feelings in a way that negative thinking never will. I can say from personal experience that it works to do that and I'm like preaching out there into the winds, you know, hear me, hear me. This is this is really, really an important thing. That crisis mm-hmm. yields opportunity. Or we may bemoan the fact that something terrible happens to us. Something happens, and, and if we embrace it, we do find these new opportunities. And that is a very big deal, because we tend to think that the, the path we're on is the only one that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have learned to start right where I am, not to always bemoan the future that isn't there yet, but to say, I'm here right this minute, and what I need is to start here. What can I do today? What one small thing could I do, you know, to feel the way I want to feel when I have finally achieved whatever it is that I'm looking for, whatever my goal is. And it's important for me to become the person that is capable of creating what I want, of living the life that I want before it actually comes to me. That's all internal. That's all stuff that we do with ourselves. I've learned that we are always creating something new. I myself used to think that it was all about defining something you wanted to create, creating it, and then it would be done. I'd be finished. But the reality is that as soon as you've accomplished that, something new is going to open up, and you're going to want to expand upon that and grow from that. And so to to not think that it's ever going to be done. There's always going to be something more that you want out of life. And embrace that. Have fun with that. Uh, that that's part of what has come out of all of this. And then the, the, this idea 
But choose the right questions. Choose the positive questions, and you can change your life for the better. You can make any situation better and perfect for you if you just keep asking the right questions. You were talking at one point about inner value and Mm -hmm. how do we overcome the physical image of how the world sees us. How do you do that? How do you find that courage? Courage, it's such an indefinable thing. I'm a very spiritual person. I look to an inner essence that I find within myself. But it's a connection to a source energy. Immediately after the landslide, I actually felt as if someone was holding my hand and providing me the strength and the support so that I spend a lot of time in prayer and meditation and journaling and allowing those kind of feelings to give me courage. And I, it's kind of undefinable. I sit here and I think, wow, you know, I remember this woman. She was an elderly woman. And she kept telling me as I go to church in the morning, uh, on Sunday mornings, and she, she'd say hi and listen to whatever I'd been going through. And she said, you have such courage. Wow, I do. <laughs> I have courage with getting up and doing something every day. It was tiny little things. It was getting up and taking inventory of where we were. It was defining what, where I wanted to be and what one thing I could do today that would make a difference and move me in that direction. It was about appreciation and gratitude that I could, there are parts of my life that I love and I was thankful for them. And the more I thought about those things, the more those things would come to me. And so I really focused every day on expressing gratitude. I also had a daily routine. One of my friends at the church is a psychotherapist, and I said, when does the depression hit? (laughs) Because um, (laughs) I just knew my dad was a psychologist. I knew that the thing, depression, was lurking in my mind. And uh, she said, well, you, you do a routine every day. You do simple things that make a difference and keep you out of depression. So she said, I want you to... Cook as if you were cooking for company every day so you eat good meals. I want you to get seven to nine hours of sleep. I want you to do at least some exercise, some physical exercise with your body. Read something funny. Learn something new. Talk with a friend that you can confide in who will love you and support you, you know, and be your loving mentor or loving mirror, as St. John puts it. Um, Love you, what we've just said earlier, you know, love you when you can't love yourself mm-hmm. and talk to that person every day. Be in beauty. And beauty in this case includes meditation or prayer. It's, it's the idea of finding yourself in nature so that you find the inner beauty in life. And then help other people. That somehow that process of you're not alone. Um, we, are, we don't want to focus on our own problems. We want to reach out and help other people. And that gives us courage um, to be able to, uh, to, to see that they are in pain and we know a way that might help them. Mm-hmm. Um, they may perceive that as courage on our part. It may just be you know, an idea on ours. But it's, it, is a, it does give us the strength to move on our own life when we're helping somebody else. Um, and then also staying focused, really staying focused on where you want to be, what you want to achieve. Not defining your life by something that's happened to you, uh, but defining your life in terms of where you want to be. Are you 
are you going to sit back and, and say that, no, I can no longer do something because I've lost my house. I have no more money. I'm Everything that we've worked to build up has just come crashing down, and it's gone. It's all gone. I think Hurricane Katrina came through six months after the landslide, and I cried for those people because I knew how much how hard it was to get your feet back underneath you, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. And that was the key. You have to keep focused on what it is you want. I look at people who've who've been athletic, you know, Olympic athletes who hit hard times and they lose an arm and they lose a leg. They don't stop because they've been already trained to use their minds to to overcome their bodies anyway in order to achieve great, great rewards. They learn how to move again. They learn how to compensate for the loss of a limb. Or you look at somebody like Nick Wojcik, was born without arms and legs, and he is an incredible speaker. If you, if you listen to his story about how he found that love was the most important value of all, and how he applies that to all things in his life, and he now has this beautiful wife and now at least two children, he has found a way through a physical thing that, that would have could have closed him out to the world if he let it. But he found the mental strength to focus less on himself and more on what he wanted to achieve. And I think that is the, you know, you can use visualizations. You can use your feelings. They're a great barometer to tell you if you're thinking the right way. To look at the contrast in your life and say, okay, this is terrible, but this is what I want. And say, well, what's, what's the difference? Why? Why is that better? And, and then focus on what makes that better and move toward that. Um, those are the things that gave me courage. It's, it's all in my mind. I just didn't allow it to stop me you know, from moving toward my dreams. I used a lot of inspiration, very big on reading and praying. and Those are those are strong. Faith was a very big issue in it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I like about your method of getting through this is focusing on other people and finding the sources of inspiration in the lives of those who've overcome greater obstacles than you have and come through with flying colors. I think that that is something that is very important too. I'm in the process now of of putting up resources of those kinds of books and links to them on my website. So that brings me to, can you tell me the name of your book and how people can reach you if they would like to know more about you? And I understand that you have a gift for my listeners. Is that right? I do, all of that. Uh, My book is called Rainbows Over Ruins, and it's on Amazon, or it's also available on my website. But also for you guys, I have something called the Survivor's Guide, 12 Tips to Find Inner Peace, which I've learned and put together for you. The best way to get it is to go to www.giftfromsusan.com. And when you go there, you'll get an opportunity to download the free guide. And if you stay, stick around and wander, you'll be on my website and you can see what other things are going on, what the book is, where my blogs are, and all that stuff. It's a wonderful way to know who I am and what I'm doing. Susan, I thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I, I know as a TV producer and wife and business entrepreneur and author, your time is very limited. I do very much appreciate that you have spent so much time with us today and help my audience to understand how they can apply these techniques to hair loss. I just thank you so much 
for this time, and I have enjoyed this conversation. Well, thank you. I have appreciated the chance to share a little bit of my story and hope that it does touch someone's life and, and help them to realize that they do have the power. They always have the power to make the most of even the worst situations. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Susan. And for my guest today, I want to have you know that there will be notes in the blog about this and links to the books that Susan has been uh, talking about today. Until next time, remember, it's not the bald, it's the bold. Thank you for listening to Boldly Bald Women, surviving and thriving in a hair-obsessed world. If you've enjoyed this program, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. To find out more about Boldly Bald Women and receive a free gift from Pam, please visit www.boldlybaldwomen.com.